0: You're listening to Real Presence Live. Now, back to more inspirational and uplifting stories, and a look at the extraordinary things happening in our local area, heard right here on the RPR Network. Good morning and welcome back to
1: Real Presence Radio Live here in the Diocese of Rapid City, the beautiful Chancery Building, downtown Rapid City. My name is Jacques Daniel. I'm the Director of Communications and the Assistant Director of Faith Formation. Here with Father Brian Christensen, Pastor of the Cathedral, and Sister Sarah Kowal, who is the Director of Pastoral Ministries and Faith Formation, and we're here drinking coffee, drinking coffee, and uh, racking up our book list, <laughs> racking up our book list. <laughs> yeah, it looks like we're going to you know, add had one had, uh, to the
2: yeah, list right the now. The Devout Life by Deacon Matt Newsome, everything's coming up rosy with uh, Teresa Tomio, Tomio, and now we have a uh, new guest on, coming on.
1: Welcome Gil Bailey, I, I hope I said that right, is that, did yes. I say it right yes, Gil? Yes,
3: indeed.
1: Alright. Yes, indeed. Gil, where are you joining
2: us from? California. California. Sonoma, California. Sonoma, oh. beautiful oh. Sonoma, that's, that's wonderful. Yeah, sure How are you surviving out there in California these days? <laughs> <Well>. <laughs> I mean, the cultural, the cultural environment is yeah. uh, challenging to say the least.
3: It is indeed, it is indeed. The little town that uh, we live in, in Sonoma, is Sonoma, the town of Sonoma is very small, and it's very nice, and uh, we live close to everything, and we're six blocks away from the church, and, oh, nice. and all my family's within a mile of our house. So, anyway. are, you, are, you, are you in the
2: Archdiocese, or where? where is Sonoma at? Is it in the uh, northern part?
3: The, 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 the Diocese of Sonoma.
2: Oh, it is. There's a diocese of
3: Sonoma. There is.
2: Oh my goodness! There is. I there is. am totally it ignorant. Part, it was
3: part. Of, uh, bishop Vassa is the bishop here. Oh, he's okay. An extraordinary bishop. Yeah, I've a, met Bishop, we have bishop Vassa a actually. Bishop. Okay. Yeah, he's wow. Wonderful. So you're right there in the,
2: near the, the are you near the cathedral or near the, just a local parish? No,
3: no, no, no. The, the, the county is Sonoma County, ah, so okay. the cathedral is in Santa Rosa, Santa which is Rosa. the main city in the in the county, I but see the county's that. huge, but we live in a little town called call Sonoma, so ah. uh, not very far from Santa
2: Rosa. All right, well, tell me, uh, tell so, me and our listeners a little bit about yourself.
3: Uh, well, very, very quickly, we don't have much time. I, I uh, spent most of my life uh, giving talks on one or another aspects of either of the Catholic uh, faith and or the literary uh, uh, canon of Western culture, which is, of course, saturated with Christian understanding. So I did a lot of traveling and lecturing over the years, and then a few years ago I began to write. I mean, I actually published a book in '97, uh, but then um, I traveled some more, and then I began to write. I wrote a book published in 20. I mean, pub- yeah, published in 2016, entitled "God's Gamble." Uh, the uh, subtitle. The gravitational power of crucified love, hmm. and um, that was a book I wanted to write before I died, and I, I did. And then I, and then I realized I had another book in me that I wanted to write before I died, and this one is uh, entitled "The Apocalypse of the Sovereign Self," uh, and uh, re- the subtitle is "Recovering the Christian Mystery of Personhood." Hmm. And and it, uh, I say on the back cover, I, you know, you're challenged when you write a book like this, you're, you're challenged to summarize it as I'm trying to summarize it to you, which is impossible. But, so in the back cover, I have this quote from Tertullian, the second century Carthaginian, the father of Latin Christianity, he's is, is known as. And he famously said, "The soul is naturally Christian mm. and uh the second half of the book is is my attempt to account for that statement uh, in uh, in multiple levels and the first part of the book is the attempt to show what I mean when I say the apocalypse." of the sovereign self. And I was thinking about our interview this morning, and I I thought, how in the world do you summarize these things? And I came up with this, and you, you can tell me if it works. So we have two things. We have the title, The Apocalypse of the Sovereign Self, which I hope gives the implication. Apocalypse means not only revealing uh, but it also in the popular sense means suddenly recognizing the the both the sinfulness and the, and the mystery of of it all and so the first part of the book is an analysis of this apocalypse of the sovereign self for which there's un there's boundless uh evidence today, not least in the in the transgender and transhuman and so on and so forth. Uh, this so how do you summarize that? And I decided <laughs> yeah. to Gil, just for a second, just for
2: just for a second, let me let me just pause here for a second. All right, give you give you a little breather sure, sure, sure. as you're and 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 help our listeners here a little bit. Um, the book is the Apocalypse of the sovereign self. So apocalypse, right? You're trying to give us a kind of a summary of the apocalypse, the, the end times, the fulfillment of, um, you know, trying to come, we, when we think of the apocalypse, we're thinking about the destruction of the world and, and the end times or the fulfillment of the coming of Christ. So apocalypse. What about the sovereign self? What are we talking about when we're talking about the sovereign well, self? That sounds like a good thing.
3: The so- that's, no, no. The sovereign self is the is, is is the idea that I have total control that I can be anything I can if I'm a man I can be a woman if I if my will is is, is trumps everything so there's nothing I'm not I'm not made in a such a way that I have to obey The I have have contours to my life, so the the sovereign self is is the self that believes it needs to bow to nothing other than its own will. Okay, yeah, no, that's helpful. That.
2: Yeah, that's helpful, that I, I have total control, I'm independent. Uh, especially in American culture, we have the idea that I'm a self-made man, I pull myself by my bootstraps, exactly. um, and you're saying this exactly. idea is the definition of the sovereign self, which is a false understanding of the human person.
3: Let me, let me do it this way. I'm going to contrast two statements. One has to do with the first part of the book, and the other has to do with the latter part the first one is from Justice Anthony Kennedy, and you know this very well from the Planned Parenthood Casey decision 1992. He said, at the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and of the mystery of human life. In other words, we have each individual has a right to define reality for himself. It he it doesn't need to adhere to nature. He just is an autonomous self, a sovereign self. Okay, and you're going contra- to that,
2: You're going to contrast that statement with another.
3: Saint Paul, I live now no longer I, but Christ lives in me. These are the two. Uh, in a way, the, the book is. Is an examination of those two. Uh, what's a flaw, a what's the flaw?
2: What's the flaw, Gil? That you would say in um, Justice Stevens' decision in Casey, and that reasoning of you know the capacity to define, you know, the universe for myself. What's the flaw in that well,
3: understanding? The flaw is the flaw is to forget that we are creatures made a certain way. For a certain purpose, uh, we we do not our, we, our will uh, is it, an important element, but is when it becomes self will, then it it goes wild. It go it it, it 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 then begins to think of itself as being completely autonomous. And, and can do, and can change itself, can deny reality. Uh, so we see that all around. I mean, the idea that liberty uh, is, un, is unconstrained by reality uh, is what, you, what we see today so much in, in the culture. That we just make it up as we go along, as though we didn't, as though we weren't made in a certain way, and that certain things that we flourish under certain circumstances. Uh, so, so those those are the two. I, I mean, that was my thought about summarizing this. Paul's idea is that we is that we belong. Uh, to, to another and to others, and that we flourish only in the context of, of being faithful to our calling. We are called and sent. The question is, by whom am I called and to whom am I sent?
2: Yeah, no, that's, that's powerful because I think it's so timely. Uh, I mean, it's been the story of our humanity since uh, the Garden of Eden and, uh, and our self-fulfillment our self, uh, and the fruit of the tree. But after we come back for the break, I'm interested in that Tertullian comment uh, or you know insight of the inherently Christian soul. Uh, so we'll be back after the break with Gil Bailey. Uh, join us on uh, Real Presence Live.
0: Stay with us. There's more real presence live to come on the Real Presence Radio Network.
4: This is Lavinia Spirito, a Catholic with Bible study. The sacraments of matrimony and holy orders are sacraments of service, which means they are directed towards the salvation of others. Through holy orders, a priest gives himself to the church through service to the faithful. Through marriage. The spouses give themselves to one another in service and love. Popular thought tells us marriage is for emotional or romantic fulfillment alone, but the Church, in her wisdom, calls us to something much greater, a communion of life and love. This holds true also for the Sacrament of Holy Orders. A priest does not become a priest for personal fulfillment. He is consecrated for the sanctification of the body of Christ. The church is fortified and consecrated through the sacraments of service. Whatever your vocation, how can you deepen the way you serve those around you today?
3: Catholic Way Bible Study. Peace, power, purpose. Find out more at
5: cwbs.org. This is Jake Warner, the State Deputy of the North Dakota Knights of Columbus. I was asked to explain if someone were to come to me and, and ask why should they become a Knight of Columbus. I can answer from my, my own experience uh, and that would be um, becoming a Knight of Columbus has made me a better Catholic, it's made me a better uh, husband, it's made me a better father, it's made me a, made me a better man. There are so many things about the Knights of Columbus that young men are really looking for, and and they don't understand it's just as close as as their local church. Becoming a part of, of the Knights of Columbus local council uh, opens up so many doors for you. In a society where people are known to be loners and going their own way and and trying to figure out what's going on around them, the Knights of Columbus provides you a family, people that you can go to, resources that you can reach out to, ask questions of, get encouragement from, uh, not only spiritual encouragement, but, but all kinds of things.
0: You're listening to Real Presence Live on the Real Presence Radio Network. Join the conversation on our Facebook page or on Twitter. And be sure to like and follow us for more great Catholic content. Now, back to the show.
1: Welcome back to Real Presence Radio Live. My name is Jacques Daniel here at the Diocese of Rapid City, joined with Father Brian Christensen and Sister Sarah Kowal. We're having an amazingly... Uh, deep, if you, if you guys have been tracking this whole morning, we are having a deep philosophical discussion uh, with our friend uh, Gil Bailey. Welcome back. Uh, nice to be back. All uh, right,
2: Gil, i written a book called The Apocalypse of the Sovereign Self.
1: Um, Wait, is it, is it... Have you written it, or is it going to be written? Oh,
3: yeah, it's... it's no, it uh, it's, uh, should, should be in... Uh, the, well, in, maybe not in the bookstores, but in the Amazon and and uh, uh, any other place within the next week or two.
2: That's fantastic. That and like, you know, we are going over in the first half the the apocalypse, right? The the fulfillment or the ending of the the sovereign self, this independent self, this self, uh, this autonomous self, this um, self sufficient self, which is uh, er- erroneous in, in our Christian understanding. Um, uh, of the human person as a, a creature dependent upon God um, and I'm really in this um, okay. loving relationship with the Lord who wishes to see our fulfillment as Jesus said came that you might have life and have it more to the full but at the break uh, Gil you and I got in a little conversation about your admiration or at least uh, familiarity with uh, Bob Dylan um, how, what was Bob Dylan's influence on you or how, how have you
3: engaged well, with the, the writings of I, Bob did. Dylan? I haven't. Uh, a, a colleague of mine has, but uh, I just simply—I read—I—I I, I read the his Nobel Prize lecture, and I was completely uh, stunned by how he how he opened it uh, he, because he uh, he he uh, he caught his vocation. From someone else. In other words, he had something like, something comparable to the experience of Christian conversion. It just wasn't Christ he was looking at. But it, in the course of his life, he felt the attraction to Christ very powerfully, obviously. So he's an interesting figure. Uh, I don't try to turn him into a saint. <laughs> uh, but I think he's an interesting figure, because we are in a teachable moment. If we have, if we've ever been in a teachable moment, we are now. It's so clear. You know, one of the, my favorite theologians, who happens to be one of the most profound theologians of the twentieth century, Hans Urs von Balthasar, he said this: history is the mutual intensification of the yes and the no to Christ. History consists of the mutual intensification of both the yes and the no to Christ. Mm. And that, I think, is this, is the supreme recognition of what's happening in history. And we, like I said, I think we are in a very teachable moment because the difference between uh, Christ and the alternative is so stark and so obvious, Uh, precisely because the autonomous self, the uh, sovereign self, is now so egregiously in... uh, uh, um, it has gone so far off uh, with its the idea that somebody can just wake up one morning and decide they're really another gender
0: mm-hmm.
3: another sex or they they are, are all the moral rules that have kept us sane and civil for you know millennia are completely malleable and we can turn them upside down, and so on. So, uh, I think we're in a... a we're, Christians are have been painted into the corner by a culture, but in, but at another level, we have them just where we, we need, just where we want them, because they we are in a teachable moment. If we can simply proclaim Christ and His. Church and his gospel, with in a way that speaks to the condition of our 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 fellow men and women. I think we we will. Uh, I'm not I'm not an optimist. <laughs> I I think we're in for a tough times. But I I think we will we will serve the church in Christ very well mm-hmm. in the. the years ahead if we if we have enough confidence and part of what i'm trying to do in this book is to is to provide a picture of how how tormented the world is without christ and how uh, and how uh appealing Christ can be to such a world if we if we proclaim him in a way that that's, that's uh, appropriate
0: yeah gil your your book so seems such I, a fitting response to you know the the problems of our time in so many ways that you know we've are, we've been seeing grow and grow and have been spoken about for so many decades now especially you know by John Paul II and Benedict XVI uh, the when they're talking about, you know, the uh, dictatorship of relativism. And I think it was JP2 that said, exactly. really, the great crisis of today is a crisis of concept. Exactly. You know, we've, we've lost the vision of the human person. We don't know what the human person is anymore, who they are. And, you know, that's why John Paul II quoted so exactly. often Gaudium at Space 22, which is, Christ reveals man to himself. Exactly. In other words, we've just forgotten who we are and what we are, and I think that's, it sounds like to me that's what your book is really ultimately trying to address, is reminding us who is the human person ultimately. You know, I think, and I'm hearing one of the things that you're talking about a lot is this concept, you know, when we're talking about, you know, fundamental concepts of and fundamental tr- truths about the human person is that concept of freedom, right? You know, because our world defines freedom as basically the ability to do whatever you want. Whereas we've always understood that concept of freedom as the ability to choose the good, right? And that that nature of truth is wrapped up in freedom. It's not just choosing whatever I want, right? But that when I'm truly free, I'm able to choose what's actually good, right? And I think that's the great problem of today oftentimes is that we've divorced the concept of freedom Right from the concept of truth, that there is a truly a good for the human person, and that when we embrace that's that good, good right, then that, that's actually when we we become fully alive. And today we kind of live in a world that says, well, there is no good, right? We just can embrace anything, but we can see that's just leading us to destruction, right? I mean, and that's what you're talking about, right? Yeah. Is that we were eventually destroyed. And I think yeah. you mentioned that, right? Rejecting Christ ultimately leads to that self-destruction because we're not being faithful to who we are and who we're made to be. And I, I, don't, I don't know if that's a apt summary of a lot of the things uh, that you're I, trying to address oh, in your book is. or not.
3: Well, you mentioned Gaudium at space 22. I mean, that is really the heart of it all.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: I mean, that is that that uh, that's I'm so happy you mentioned that because that's uh that I probably should have cited that myself because uh, I do in the book but uh that is absolutely the heart of it. Mm-hmm. But I think I, I you know I uh, I I would like people to read this book. I think they will it will give texture and and uh detail to some of the Things that we've been talking about. Mm-hmm. If, I, if, I have a, if I have a minute, mm-hmm. another story comes to mind. You know, Flannery O'Connor, uh, I used one, her short stories and she's a great, she called herself a, a hillbilly Thomist. <laughs> uh, and she, uh, she she wrote to a friend of hers one time. She was suffering from lupus and she couldn't do anything. So she lay in bed and she said, I was convalescing and I was reading this short story and I, it was so funny. She said, "I laughed and laughed and laughed." And then I remembered I was the one that wrote it. And <laughs> I, I've had I had that I had that experience recently because I had I had to review the whole book in a hurry, at the you know th- for publication. And I read through it, and I thought as though I were reading somebody else's work. I thought, "Wow, this is." This is a good book. <laughs> I think people are going to like this book. Uh, so I, I hope that was not a, I hope I had it right. But I do think it will, I wrote it to, to, so that it would inspire people to, uh, to recognize, it Christians and Catholics to recognize the privilege they, they enjoy. And to awaken others to the to the invitation that Christ uh, extends to us to uh, discover who we really are. Uh, well, Gil,
2: thank you. Yeah, th- I mean, we're excited about the book. We'll be looking for it uh, available in the Catholic bookstores and online, and all the ways that it is. Uh, Gil Bailey, uh, the author of "The Apocalypse of the Sovereign Self," we appreciate you joining us here on Real Presence Radio Live here today. Uh, thanks for being with us. Uh,
3: thanks so much. I've enjoyed it very much.
2: No, it's great. That uh, Jacques. Uh, so far, we've got three books that we've <laughs> hit this morning. Um, Deacon Matthew Newsom and his uh, The Devout Life, based on the teachings of St. Francis uh, de Sales. And then of course, uh, Teresa Tamio and her uh, book about wisdom from her mother uh, called Everything's Coming Up, Rosie. Rosie, her mom uh, from Jersey City. And now just uh, visiting with uh, Gil Bailey today and his uh, really deep and insightful work, it seems like. I think I
1: need a small stipend from Real Presence Radio Live to, <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, check I, out know, all it, these books. Like I and, said, uh, <laughs> it'll be another book for my before sh- my reading stack
1: of books to 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 take a look at. And Gil, I'm hoping maybe there's another book oh. or two before you kick the bucket. <laughs> <get a> growing, <laughs> well, Gil's growing bucket well, really. list. <laughs> Thank you for joining us on Real Presence Radio Live. Okay. We're going to take a break and join. Uh, we ask our listeners to join us right after the break uh, for more. Thank you so much. Thanks,
0: Gil. This is Real Presence Live, where we bring you positive and uplifting stories and share the great things happening in our local area on the Real Presence Radio Network.